Hi, welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and uh, today joining me for our weekend wrap-up is... Uh, as as is always, John Bennett from CQ Roll Call and former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin, and I am here to uh, give thanks for thanks for all our listeners. I was informed by our producer, five hundred thousand downloads and since we began this little effort. So, uh, thanks for everybody for listening in, and uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. With us again is uh, uh, John Benner from CQ Roll Call. I, I'm going to forget my own name in a minute, John. And, and Michael Zeldin, <laughs> former federal prosecutor. And we're here to discuss the wonderful world of news this week. And I guess we're going to start out with um, I, I and Michael. I guess I, one I wanted to hit you up on was the Donald Trump loses in court. And has to give up his taxes. So if you can unpack that and tell us what that actually means, because if it's going before the January 6th committee, I would suspect that there's very, uh, you know, a limited freshness date on this information. But I guess it could be used by others. Well, it was sought by Congress. The subpoenas for the tax returns were issued years ago. And they were part of um, congressional oversight uh, with the notion to determine whether or not there should be legislation requiring presidential candidates to turn over their tax returns. So as part of that effort, Richie Neal, who was the who is the chairman, was the chairman um, of the of the committee, sought the tax returns to make a determination of whether or not within tax returns by Donald Trump, there might be evidence that indicates the need for this type of legislation. And they battled that out in the courts until finally the Supreme Court just uh, a week or so ago said that those uh, returns were, uh, the Congress was entitled to those returns. And so they're gonna look at those returns theoretically for the purpose of determining whether or not there should be legislation mandating the um, public disclosure of tax returns for all presidential candidates. But of course, in the course of evaluating them, if they see evidence of, of a crime, that evidence could be uh, ported over to the Department of Justice for or the Internal Revenue Service uh, 
for review. And I think that the fact that the House will be um, flipping from Democrat to Republican control doesn't preclude the minority, the Democrats after January 6th, to continue to review those uh, returns and make recommendations with respect to legislation and or disclosure to IRS, DOJ, or whomever. I don't think, I don't see them as being relevant to January 6th um, well, particularly. Well, yeah, I, but the question is, if they're turned over to Congress, how, I, I mean, it, as a practical matter, they can therefore, as you just said, I believe, uh, and, and if you can clear that up for me, that it, 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 it could end up in the hands of the DOJ or the IRS as an as well, the IRS already has it, but it could end up in the hands of the DOJ if there was prosecution warranted from what was found. Yeah, if there was if you if the committee gets the returns and in reviewing the returns for their legislative oversight, come across information that they think is evidence of a crime, then they are, just like the January 6th committee, able to, um, I believe they are able to report that uh, finding to DOJ for them to make a determination. And I don't think that that should be you know, outcome determinative based on whether you're in the majority or the minority, because e each side should have continued access to those returns. They just won't be hearings and the like. John, what do you think is the biggest fear that Trump has now that they're going to be seen? Well, I think his argument will be this is just a snapshot and it doesn't tell the whole story. And <clears throat> he'll go back to the line that he's being audited. And he's been saying that for, what, seven years. Yeah. Uh, the IRS doesn't confirm any audit. Uh, so I guess his fear would be sure that you know, there's something in there that shows um, that he didn't pay his taxes or he cheated on his taxes or he committed. Yeah, I think his biggest off, fear but... is he's going to his biggest fear is we're going to find out he's not a millionaire. But that's <laughs> that could be his biggest fear. Um, that's been speculated for a while now. But, you know, remember the well, remember part of the Dave Chappelle SNL uh, monologue. Uh, maybe we won't talk about all of that here. Uh, <laughs> but remember what Chappelle said about Trump? And I and 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 this is what I thought about when uh, when the ruling came down about the tax returns is um, remember that that the debate where I think it was uh, Hillary Clinton uh, said, "Will you cheat on your taxes?" And Trump says, "Yeah, that makes me smart." And he said, "And by the way, Hillary, you use the same tax breaks as me. So do all your supporters and your big donors. So what's the big deal?" Right. That he'll he'll just say some version of that, but. You know, I think you're on to something that probably for Trump, I mean, he he's got to be fearing prosecution uh, for any number of things. But also, you know, he, he really likes how he's perceived by others. He's really a, an insecure guy in a lot of ways. And it's probably that it's probably the wealth. Yeah. Or the, lack, the lack of wealth. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Michael, <laughs> you're holding your breath. <laughs> well, I, I, I do think that John is right, that he has created an image of himself uh -huh. as a successful billionaire when I think the facts probably undermine that. And anything that pulls back the curtain, just ask the Wizard of Oz what that means um, when the curtain is pulled back for a person who survives on the mirage. It, it's it, Even if it's not criminally uh, important, even if it doesn't implicate any crimes, it it does 
undermine the whole um, image that he's created for himself. And, and yeah, these that, aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> well, and well, and of course, you know, when you listen to some of the supporters of Donald Trump over the over the years, and they ask, uh, and they're asked the question, "What about Trump?" is attractive to you. They say, well, he was a successful businessman and he can bring to the government the types of business acumen that he has you know, brought to his own um, businesses. Well, if that turns out to not be as true as Trump has told us it is, then maybe that's one additional reason not to continue to support him. And I would submit to you that it will show exactly what kind of businessman he is. And he did bring that to the government. It's all a scam and a con. That's I think that's what we'll find out more than anything else. That's he he brought that to the. I liked him because he did that. So anyway, the other thing that he brought to uh, Mar-a-Lago this week anyway was Kanye West and some uh, some wonderful racists for Thanksgiving. And when asked about it, President Biden said, "You don't want to know what I think about it." When we were able to corner him on the street. Uh, as he was shopping uh, this weekend. So what exactly does Donald Trump bringing Kanye West and, and, a, and, a, and a Nazi to Mar-a-Lago mean? John, you have your hand raised. Yeah, okay, President Biden, we do want to know, and it's in your own interest to let everyone know, yeah. um, answer the question, because it's important. This is This is a central issue with Trump. He keeps being around these people in one way or another, you're the president of the United States. You say this guy's dangerous. You, you know, you I, Biden has all but called him a white supremacist. So explain why that's bad, Mr. President. Don't blow us off and then go get, you know, another iced coffee. Answer the damn question. <laughs> and what, but what do you, and that's, that's true. That's what I think about. By, I, I think he missed an opportunity there. Yeah, it's and, a missed opportunity. Another missed, missed opportunity. opportunity. And the press did not follow it up very well, but he didn't give us much of a chance because he was shopping in Nantucket and, right. and you know, cruising for iced coffee. All of that aside, what does it say about Donald Trump? Again, he keeps being around these people. And, you know, I'm growing a little weary of, of listening to Trump or reading these posts on social media where he, you know, contorts himself and contorts logic to try to explain away or try to turn it back on his critics about why he's around these people. Um, and it's, you know, it's not infrequent at this point. No, and it's every it, day. It, yeah. It's, so if it's you know, common as a mass shooting, right. If, if I'm hanging around people who are doing bad acts um, that doesn't make me a good person, but that's how Trump wants to portray himself. Yeah. And this is back to what you, you know, you, you just said it's, it's all a con. Yeah. And if you're around these people, Trump must think they do something for him politically or, or he agrees with them or maybe both. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I think it is both. Michael, uh, what'd you think when you saw, when you saw that? Well, He's been, you know, close with Kanye West for a long time, um, notwithstanding Kanye's um, Nuts. offensive um, uh, uh, thoughts, I guess they are thoughts. Um, 
you know, who these white nationalists that showed up, you know, Trump could say, I didn't, as he said about David Duke, I didn't know who they were. I didn't know who he is. Um, Anya just brought some friends. But of course, I think that if you're the former president of the United States and you still therefore represent the United States as a ambassador of, you know, what we stand for, you should do some vetting of people who show up at your uh, residence for photo ops. It's just not um, smart on, on his smart. Well, nothing Donald Trump does has ever been smart. He flies by the seat of his pants. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I, I'm going to go with, I still would like the question. I really think part of the problem the Biden administration has is that they do not push back enough against this stuff. I would love to see, uh, I would love to see a better message coming out of the white house about it, but that's just me. Uh, well, you know, the, cynically, cynically, one might say maybe the white house has determined that they'd rather run against, if they're going to run, they'd rather run against Trump in 2024 than anybody else in 2024 and and if you knock him out now then um maybe you have a tougher opponent in 24 that's you know i don't know anything about politics and that's pretty a pretty cynical view and of course the president as john said at the outset should take opportunities to um criticize that which is properly criticizable um, but, you know, the cynic in me also says, well, you know, maybe they'd like a field where Trump is still in it. And, you know, we've got the 12 people running for president and he gets his 38 percent and, and um, walks his way through the back door into the into the nomination, knowing that he's probably not electable. Whereas well, DeSantis may my question be is, electable. If you're that Senate, if, if I take what you say is true. Um, and, and and I admit that's a possibility. The, the question I have is how far do you let the asshole go because it, it, undermining the very democracy that you're running for in order to win the democracy, uh, it seems to me you're cutting your nose to spite your face. John? Well, <laughs> um, it's been seven years of that, so why would this be any different? <laughs> Michael, let's... <laughs> I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but that's I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if it's if that would be a, a how what is politics in the United States today if it's nothing but game playing at the expense of our democracy? I, I think that's a horrible, horrible. And, and you say cynical, but I mean, I just think that's a horrible way to go. I hope it's not that that's not the answer. Well, we will find out. I mean, there yeah. was a there was a, a piece today. I get the guy's name in the, in the post. I think it was um, a guy from the National Review writing this, you know, sort of uh, love song to um, DeSantis that that he is not as uh, he's not Trump. He's smarter and he's likable and he's doable. You know, that's what we're going to begin to see. Well, we've already seen that Elon Musk tw tweeted out that that Ron DeSantis is a centrist and sensible. And yeah. so I, I I I find him to be neither a centrist nor sensible. And what he's done with the press is probably one of the most frustrating things as a member of the press that I've seen by any politician in the United States in my lifetime, uh, uh, barring what's going on in the White House uh, during Trump. But 
nonetheless, that does bring me to the to the Elon Musk uh, uh, factor in all of this. He has allowed some of I know people are still leaving in droves from from Twitter, and I refuse to because I don't want to cede the ground to people who just because they disagree with me. But he has allowed Trump back on, and he's also allowed some of the people who were banned for their not only their racist activities but for their threats against others. Um, does this make Elon Musk an X factor in the 2024 elections? <laughs> John? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. Um, if Twitter's still around, uh, I keep hearing of his demise. But um, in fact, I was just scrolling Twitter, uh, checking out some some sports news. So, yeah, he's going to be an X factor. Uh, Trump says he's not going to go back to Twitter. He started his own version of it. Uh, and he's apparently contractually bound, I guess, with, with the other investors um, involved in, in Truth Social. Uh, so he, he can't post on Twitter at least first. I believe that's that's the way that goes. Um, you know, the, the content has to be somewhat exclusive to Truth Social. But um, allowing some of these folks back uh, on Twitter, it, it's going to make a difference um, you know, again, I think I've said here before, the Pew Research Center found that, what, 27, 29 percent of Americans are actually on Twitter or use Twitter. Um, but it gets picked up in the media. Tweets get picked up in the media. They get you know, put on cable news or or what have you. So, yeah, Musk is going to play a role here if, if he decides to keep Twitter and if he decides to keep it alive. And, um, you know, I, I think we talked about last week, I, I think. Twitter's been a net positive thing, um, though it it can be used, as we saw January 6th and other things, it, it can be used for really bad things. But I think it's added some transparency into, into politics and, and with politicians. Um, so I, I, it's, it's going to continue to be a mixed bag and, and even more so with Musk at the helm. Michael, what do you think? You think that that type of yeah, I mean, you you proposed the cynical uh, route earlier. Do you, as a cynic, do you think that uh, that that's uh, Elon Musk will inadvertently help out Democrats in the twenty twenty four? I I don't know. I don't really know how many people pay attention to to Twitter. I um, am I'm hard pressed to understand how anyone would form an opinion about anything based on a tweet or the verbal, you know, sort of <laughs> back and forths on on Twitter. You know, Twitter was, when Twitter was first formed, it was really thought of as sort of like the digital democracy. It was, you know, remember in the UK, it was used as a place that you could publish information that was prohibited to be published in the mainstream press because of privacy uh, laws and so there was this notion of it becoming the new frontier of the digital democracy and you know it was for a short time and then it became a place of armed warfare and the the more you know sort of violent you were in your rhetoric toward others uh, not meaning violent like I'm going to kill you but you're a, uh, you know an a hole and other words like that the more followers you got and it became sort of a playground for adolescents and I don't understand as a person who rarely uses it, what is so attractive about getting in these food fights uh, with, you know, a, a set number of characters, although I see these people with these seven part 
tweets, you know, it's, I just don't, I guess what it is, is I just don't get it. And because I don't get it, it's hard for me to understand how anybody else would be influenced in their decision uh, on who to vote for or what to think about by reading tweets. Well, I will only submit to you that there are still people who believe that the world is flat and man didn't land on the moon and the Holocaust was, was a hoax. So that's why. <laughs> and they believe in the big lie. So <laughs> tw uh, Twitter has been an effective uh, remedy for thought in this country. People feel, I think, comfortable not thinking. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's my thought on that. We're going we're gonna to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to look. And John, you'll, get, you'll have fun with this one. What are we looking forward to in the new year as far as House and Congress? Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. John, we, uh, as we left uh, the last uh, segment, went into break. We were, I, I mentioned that uh, coming up, uh, I, and this is, I, I got to get this off my chest before I ask. I, I, I talked to so many conservatives and liberals who see, perceive this particular midterm election differently than I do, that I feel I must be out in a limb somewhere, but I don't see it as a huge loss for the GOP. I don't see it as a big victory for the Democrats. I it, the, the Democrats were running against a party that advocated uh, chaos, insurrection, and the disillusionment of the Constitution, and they lost <laughs> the House. Now, I know historically that, you know, the party in power often loses seats in the midterm, but this was in a historic uh, time. And so I find it, if you can't beat, it, the Democrats always never cease to amaze me as to how, you know, however far the Republicans go low, the Democrats will just manage to crawl over that bar. And we've said that several times here. But going, so I don't see it as a big victory for because the Democrats lost the House to seditionists. And now we have Kevin McCarthy, perhaps, and the Republicans. And I think it's going to be two years of Hunter Biden's laptop. And uh, I don't and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene probably leading some uh, some committee. And we'll have to see that more on on a daily basis. Your thoughts, you've covered it. Yeah, I don't see very much happening as far as legislation goes. Uh, I've said here and, and other places and have written this for roll call and, and for CQ, you know, we'll get a farm bill in the next two years, but that's going to take a long, I mean, they've already started working on it. So, you know, the, the foundation's there, but that takes a long time. Such a big bill, so many districts, all the states. So, um, and there's no real incentive to pass a farm bill in an off year, and that's what 2023 is, 
Um, but there's a lot of incentive for both parties to pass a farm bill in 2024. So uh, they'll they'll chip away at that. I think they'll get that done in 2024. But this year, um, what? Maybe another, maybe another China competition bill. We'll have to have a spending bill uh, next September. And other than than those two things, I know keep working on the farm bill, and of course they'll do the National Defense Authorization Act uh, probably this time next year, uh, probably right before Christmas. And other than that small handful of things, I wouldn't expect any legislation. I don't even, I, I mean, I, I assume the House Appropriations Committee will, of course, be run by Republicans. They'll do their version of spending bills. The Senate, I mean, they don't even do, their their appropriations uh, committees don't even, they didn't even do bills this year. So why the hell would they do them next year when they could just go straight to conference on an omnibus uh, spending bill late in the year? So that's it. So what kind of problem is Kevin McCarthy going to have with the Republicans and will he be the speaker? Yeah, that's where I was going. I, I I think that, well, let's set the Senate aside. So the Senate for the next two years, they're just going to churn Biden judicial nominees. And, you know, that's if you're a Democrat, that is a huge victory. That yeah. that, that is big. And, you know, Mitch McConnell's going to make them use the all the clock for all the nominees, but they'll still get through hundreds of those. And there's a backlog. So. Okay, that's what the Senate's going to be up to until it gets time to keep the government open uh, uh, next early next fall. So the House, I think McCarthy does become speaker. I think he ekes it out on the floor. And it's just because no one else right now anyway, no one else has the votes and there's no serious challenge uh, as of again right now. I keep qualifying this because to me, um, if McCarthy cannot make enough promises, cannot do enough things like you mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene, maybe give her a subcommittee gavel or something like that. She's already come out. She's now defending Kevin McCarthy. It is bizarre. This lady, this uh, this congresswoman has slammed McCarthy in leadership for years, and now she's on the bus all of a sudden. So we'll find out. We'll find out whatever that promise was made. But he's gonna he's probably making some promises right now, uh, wherever Mr. McCarthy is. Well, there is one alternative, and that's Steve Scalise. And I do think in in an emergency situation, if too many of the Freedom Caucus types just refuse on the floor to vote for McCarthy, Scalise is the only other person I think that can get to 218. And I'm not ruling that out. I again, if I had to, if you, you know, if you if you force me to place a bet, I'm betting on McCarthy. But I'm going to hedge a little bit. I'm going to keep a quarter or two. Hedge that bet, baby. I'm going to hedge it. So what is the House going to do? Okay. I don't remember which GOP strategist I saw on CNN, but he put it this way. A five-seat majority or a 25-seat majority, if you're Joe Biden, the oversight will feel the same. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to investigate everything. Uh, uh, the the uh, Congressman Comer likely to be expected to be oversight chairman. He says they have 30 to 40 topics that they want to investigate, just the oversight committee. Then you've got uh, you've got folks like Congressman McCall. He's going to be foreign affairs chairman. He wants to investigate. And this is probably a worthy investigation. What happened with the Afghanistan withdrawal? What was the process? How did it become so chaotic? Where were the mistakes made? That's one that Democrats probably could have done um by now i think they, i think many democrats will be on board with that 
I think so. So that one, that one will, will, will smell a little more bipartisan, but that's what they're going to do. Hunter's laptop, Hunter's business dealings, Joe Biden's alleged, alleged throwing in with bad Hunter Biden business deals and profiting uh, off some shady activity. They're going to look into all that. Um, you know, McCarthy was against impeaching Biden administration officials. And then last week, he is now suddenly open to the idea of impeaching the DHS secretary for the uh, for the uh, whatever's going on down at the border. So you see this shift McCarthy now. He tried to kind of tack toward the middle, thinking about his speakership. And now he's moving back toward the 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 far right faction because he needs their votes. And that's going to continue. I mean, he's still got 40 something days before January 3rd. That's when they'll vote on the House floor. So that's what they're going to do. And a small majority means the far right, the the the, the Taylor Greens, the Matt Gateses, that faction actually has more power because he need he there's no wiggle room. He can't lose them on anything. So, you know, there there aren't these moderates that that some people thought might come and he would have a bigger, a bigger group of them. And okay, if you if you loud people on the right want to go vote no, go vote no. Or or okay, you want to go vote no for speaker, you know, go vote for whoever. I can get to 218 with this other faction. There ain't no other faction. So they've got a lot more power and they're gonna push him to do things um that he might not want to do. And last thing, uh, as I filibuster. Is um, I was chatting with a, a, a reporter from another outlet who covers the House and has covered the House and House Republicans for a very long time. Uh, recently, we ran into uh, this gentleman on the Hill. And the, again, I'm on the Hill sometimes. He's there every day. So this I think this means more coming from him. And he floated the idea to me as a question. How can McCarthy last two years with, for that very reason, the, the far right faction? having more power over McCarthy. Um, are, are we looking at John Boehner 2.0 and, and Boehner just threw his hands up and he had had enough? That's well, yeah, there's, that's the question, but my more to the point and Michael, you can speak to this probably who cares <laughs> at the end of the day, if, if Donald Trump couldn't get convicted when he was impeached twice, if the January 6th committee is going in essence, nowhere. I mean, there's no repercussions for what happened. I mean, there's more knowledge. What if you're Joe Biden? What do you care if they they call hearing after hearing? It's not going to mean diddly squat, or will it? Well, it means that we will not make progress on some of the important issues that yes progress needs to be made on. And so, if you're Joe Biden, and you're thinking about the overall welfare of the United States, then you want legislation that fills in necessary gaps or creates new opportunities um, to protect individual privacy and other things to, to go forward. And so the investigations may not end up in an impeached and convicted Homeland Security official or conviction of Hunter Biden or findings of corruption um, by Biden, it still means, though, that for two years we are at a standstill. And no one who's in charge of any organization um, wants 
there to be a standstill. So it does matter um, from from that perspective. And sure. you know, you wonder you wonder how the Republicans, if they hope to uh, win in twenty twenty four and obtain majorities in both houses of of Congress, so they can legislate according to their uh, political uh, beliefs can do so if all they're going to do in the next two years is investigate marginal issues. I mean, there's a big difference between investigating um, the January 6th insurrection or the phone call, the shakedown phone call with the president of, of Ukraine. Those are very different matters substantively than did private citizen Hunter Biden profit off of you know being a Biden, and if that was a if that was fertile ground for an investigation, then I hope that we're going to be also investigating how it is that Jared Kushner ends up with a two billion dollar um, fund to manage from from the Saudis. Because uh, right. if you had two billion dollars, I can ask the two of you this question: If you had two billion dollars to invest in the United States, would you choose Jared Kushner? To be your uh, lead investment uh, advisor, uh, and, and I wouldn't have Jared Kushner be my lead investment advisor if I was getting a twenty-five cent off coupon invested at my next trip to the grocery store. But that's just me. No, yeah. but 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 the point is that he got two billion dollars. Yes, I know from the Saudis, um, perhaps for a thank you for hands off on Khashoggi, perhaps for an allowance for there to be continued human rights violations, perhaps for benevolent uh, policy with respect to uh, oil drilling and, and environmental um, calamity. Uh, or for future it. services rendered. So he gets $2 billion uh, to do that. Now he lives in this mega mansion in in, in Florida in, in living off the 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 coupons, if you will, from, from the $2 billion investment. You know, it seems to me that if Hunter Biden and his laptop and his $50,000 consulting contract with the Ukrainian oil company Burisma is worthy of conversation, then you should throw Jared Kushner in there too. And if you're not, then you can just see how, you know, blatantly political and, and um, devoid of, of, of substance hypocritical it all is next to these next two years will be yeah john yeah i just want to jump back in on your question brian of why should joe biden care uh one reason he should care is it will distract his staff in the white house um, even if they say they're not paying attention they're going to have to at least read the memo and have meetings about all the memos that come over asking for documents about this or that asking for emails about this or that so this this will take up a considerable amount of of staff time. It will be stressful for the staff. It it will hurt morale. And when all of that stuff comes together, mistakes happen. And this has been a mistake prone White House already. People are going to start no. leaving. People are going to start leaving naturally. It's a lot of you know. It's a lot of work. Long hours. They're away from their families. They can go make money in the private sector. So good people are going to leave. Folks are going to step up who might not, you know, be as talented or as qualified, and they're going to be tired. They're going to be dealing with these investigations, and you know, that's why I think uh, Joe Biden. Well, should more to my point, I, I think the point I was well, I know the point I was trying to make is 
it's more of an indictment of Congress because it seems to me that you're so busy playing political games and investigating things that at the end of the day, you know, are going nowhere that are only going to be used as political tools in future elections without ever any hope or even any thought of conviction because you know you can't get it because A, you've got the Democrats as a majority in the Senate and B, it's specious at best, some of this stuff. You're right, it's unlike the January 6th insurrection and and Michael's right, if you're going to investigate Hunter Biden, uh, why aren't you investigating Jared? I mean, it's all... A, a, it's all gutter snipe shit. It, it, sure. it's yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. They could have. The Democrats could have investigated Jared Kushner, and I think that's that's a, as worthy as anything. There, the Republicans are about to investigate related to Hunter Biden, but Democrats don't play that way. Yeah, and I think you and I have said here, and and we've both written it in so many words, Brian, that that maybe sometimes they should play that way, and and they just don't. Instead, and and let me try to say this without defending Daniel Snyder, owner of the Washington football <laughs> franchise, because um, I'm not, and it's a good thing that he have appears. You, have to you be already got the sports reference in, so we're good. Go All ahead. Right. All right, Democrats instead investigated the Washington football franchise for what two years? Now it it seems to have helped. They uncovered some stuff, and again, I'm glad he's selling. I want to be a fan of the team too. I might even go to a game next season if there's a new owner. I think it might be a little bit of fun, but they dedicated staff time and that's who does these investigations. It's not usually the lawmakers. They, you know, that that's, that's how they chose. That's what they chose to do. Now. I think it's a good thing. Dan Snyder is apparently trying to sell the commanders, but don't we want to know what the former president's son-in-law was up to as to Michael's good point. Don't we need to know that before he's on the ballot again? Yeah. And and so, again, as, as we wrap this up, I think two years from now, we're going to be sitting here with our hands in our, you know, going, what the fuck did we just go through for two years? <laughs> we didn't get anything. I'm already done. doing that, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're, we're going to sit here and go, what was that? Just mm-hmm. like, you know, the entire Trump administration was. What the fuck was that? And so (laughs) how many times at the White House, especially like on a Friday, would I look at you and just say, what the hell? What the hell was all this? (laughs) And then he would just he would just get on the helicopter at 450 and just fly away. And we're all standing there looking like, well, what the hell was all that? (laughs) I know you either laugh or cry. We'll be here all week. Try the veal. But yeah, that's and and there were times i swear to you that i and i feel like the next two years is going to be a lot like that where we're going to sit here and we're going to go why what when where what the i need a drink (laughs) yeah the question the question i have is as from you political guys so i look back and i see that newt gingrich i think overplayed his hand Yes. And the consequence of it was he lost his speakership, he lost his seat in Congress, and the Republicans lost their majorities. Does um, the prospect of two wasted years by Republicans investigating you know, the minutia, uh, how does that impact 
them when they run in 2024? What are they what are they then running on? What do the Democrats do with that? How do they frame that argument? To John's point, they ignore these things sometimes instead of going after the Republicans for it. The, for example, the Republicans ran in the midterms on infrastructure, though they voted against it. The Democrats who voted for it and helped pass it didn't run on it. And it was something they did for the country. So thinking that they will go after the Republicans in 2024 for two years of a ban, they didn't really go after that in the 2022 midterms. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the midterms we just went through, had it not been for the Dobbs decision, I don't think that the Democrats would have, you know, and, and they still lost. So I did the House. So again, I don't have... As low as the Republicans will go, I have no confidence that the Democrats can soar. I think they will simply stand on the backs of the Republicans and crawl over them if they can. John? Yeah, I, it really feels like I'm pretty confident in saying this. Democrats think it's beneath them. And and fair enough. You know, they don't want to get down in the mud. And, you know, when um, Brian and I are from the South, so he's probably heard this one, Um if you're going to wrestle with the pigs, you're going to get sloppy. Yeah. They, they think the slop is beneath them and, and they don't want to go there. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm going to use two here. They still think U S politics is chess and they're sitting there and they've got their ascot on and they're hitting the timer. It's checkers. You know, they it's still no, think it's mud wrestling, <laughs> right? They still think this is an episode of the West wing. This ain't even Veep, all right? Very funny show, a, a satirical show. This ain't even Veep, but oh, they're oh, still- that's a quote we got to use. <laughs> they're, they're still in their fake um, grand hallway with President Bartlett and Toby, and there's Josh, and, and CJ's at the podium, and they're still, they're still doing golly darn good government. Well, it ain't that anymore. Yeah, I think there's a, a middle ground, too. I think that- you don't have to get in, you know, the, the old saying is don't go into the gutters, you know, they'll drag you into the gutter and beat you to death with their stupidity. However, I don't think there's anything wrong with pointing out that that's the gutter, that that's, you know, and they don't, they don't point out, yeah. they allow the Republicans to frame the argument and then right. they react to the argument the Republicans frame. So yeah. instead of saying, We've spent two years doing nothing because of the Republicans and point and then framing everything that they've done around that. They will simply react to the Republicans going Hunter Biden's laptop. They're already doing that. And, and yeah. Instead of saying, you know, they're going, well, gosh, gee, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop. Why aren't we looking at this? Well, why do you even mention Hunter Biden's laptop? Why aren't you just going, these are the issues that we have to look at over the next two years. These are the issues that we, we missed in 2022, and this is where the country should be going. But that's, again, just me. But Michael, yeah, it's a good question. Here's, a, here's another football analogy. The Democrats don't try, they don't try to dictate the game at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. You know, it's like they rush to and they just sit back in a covered nine shell and maybe we'll make a tackle if they run by us instead of trying to, you know, get in there and, and play, you know, a, a tough defensive strategy. That ain't them. Well, hell, I can't even count on the Democrats for three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, that's, you know, that's what what you get out of 
the Democrats on offense is a lot of razzled. We're above this game. We're they're <laughs> playing football and we're we're playing. You know, we're we're playing badminton. I mean, it's like who the hell's calling the offense on the Democratic side? On the defense, I can tell you, yeah, they're they're in a, a prevent all the time. And as anybody who played football knows, the prevent prevents nothing. So that's it prevents you from winning. Yeah, that's all possible. that does. So <laughs> I would like to see. A, a better defense by the Democrats if we're going to stick with football. And B, I would like them to play football on, on offense instead of badminton. And that's why they get killed. But, Michael, that's a great question. And I think that's one of the, yeah. the yeah. big problems yeah. that we're going to face over the next two years. But anyway, we're going to take another short break. And when we come back, we have birthdays to celebrate, at least one of my favorites. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q podcast. That's J-A-T-Q podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Question's newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, uh, Brian Karaman. Today we're celebrating, among other things, Voodoo Child with a slight return. And, And Michael, you were the one who sent me this. And and besides, should should Ohio State stay in the top four? Or does USC sneak in? And besides, the 80th anniversary of Casablanca, and 20th anniversary of Love Actually, I had no idea you were you were you were a hopeless romantic. Although I do love I do love that movie. But is Sunday today is Jimi Hendrix's birthday? One of the legitimate rock guitar gods. And you wanted us to pick one. You had National Anthem at Woodstock. That was good. Voodoo Child. It's Voodoo Child with Slight Return. That's the one I like. Little Wing. All Along the Watchtower. Machine Gun. Purple Haze. The Wind Cries Mary. Bold is Love and Hey Joe. So which one do you pick out of that? Personally, All Along the Watchtower. Ah. When Bob Dylan, when Bob Dylan says... I can't perform that song anymore because of the level to which Jimi Hendrix took it and doesn't perform it again until like four years after Hendrix's death. And now I think it is his most performed song. So when Bob Dylan gives that nod to Jimi Hendrix, who am I to say otherwise? (laughs) That's a good choice. John, you have a choice among those? That's a really good one. Uh, I'm going to go with Voodoo Child. Yeah. Uh, because it's number one, awesome. And number two, uh, that was the theme song in WCW of Hulk Hogan when he turned heel and was known as Hollywood Hogan. He would come out to Voodoo Child. He would play air guitar with the, the heavyweight title belt. And uh, that also was awesome. Yeah, I, I do like the uh, the guitar work in that. That's why I, I choose it. Um, but as far as lyrics go, Dylan's lyrics, of course, and how... Hendrix performed them were unbelievable 
and and it remind me of politics today. Just the opening line: "There must be some kind of way out of here," said the Joker to the thief. Let's <laughs> just I, I every time I hear that, or I hear the Who's "Won't Get Fooled Again," meet the new boss, same as the old boss. I just That's I just great. think of politics in the United States. Those two songs are the most politically relevant to me in this day and age. So, all so can I just say one thing though? One thing. Yeah. Um, which is that because I'm so much older than you guys, I actually saw Jimi Hendrix perform Woodstock at Woodstock, the national anthem. You were was, at Woodstock? I was at Woodstock, yep. Wow, you saw him perform that? Oh. I did. Wow. I did. <laughs> you were sober yeah. and awake or just awake? <laughs> oh, there was, there was no, sobriety was, is relative. <laughs> <laughs> I have compared a relative to, who's sober too. <laughs> compared to many, I was, but mostly we were wet. Yeah. Mostly we were wet and mud filled. Well, I'm one of the millions of people who could have gone to Woodstock. <laughs> I, was, I remember my uncle did go and try to kidnap uh, me and my, uh, my cousin. Uh, we were very young. I mean, we were preteen. And my mom and my aunt would not allow us. I didn't know what it was, but I did watch it on TV and I did watch. So I did watch it. And then, of course, we saw everybody saw the documentary that was later made of Woodstock. But I think that national anthem was probably one of the one of the greatest renditions of the national anthem ever. And I can't get over to this day uh, that and I saw um Recently, I saw one at a, a festival in um, Columbia, Missouri, of all places. I can't even remember who the uh, artist was, but also did a fantastic uh, rendition of the national anthem. But to have that set as it was with his guitar, you know, and this, what the sun was just rising. He was the last guy up on the stage and he just tore it, it was up. The, yeah, or, or the first guy on the last day. I, I yeah. Forget how. Yeah. First guy on the last day or last guy on the third, who knows? But right. yeah, that was uh, something that will, but uh, yeah, all along the watchtower. But all right, no, so I got to ask you, why love actually? What, how, what, what the? <laughs> I just think it's a great movie. You know, eight intertwined stories of um, sort of love and, and loss because not every one of the eight stories has a happy ending uh, to it, the woman with the special needs um, brother. It doesn't yeah. happen that well. And I think um, the the wife whose husband bought her the Joni Mitchell CD, but bought the woman in his office the gold necklace. I don't think that marriage um, would last. Works so works out works out that that well. Um, so there's some things there that are not. Uh, typical of sort of it was, uh, Emma Chris, Christmas movies, but I just thought it was very well constructed. <clears throat> well, I like it. <laughs> well, all right. So who's your favorite character in that? Who's my favorite character in Love Actually? I think Liam Nielsen. Le Liam Nielsen? Yeah. Is the father of the drummer? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I like Colin Firth as the writer. <laughs> uh, that's great. When all of his whole manuscript ends up in a freaking pond, and I'm going, holy shit, I can so relate to that. <laughs> well, and of course, he 
he has the great ending when he goes to Portugal to propose to um, the woman who worked with him on that manuscript. I think that's a, a wonderful. Yeah. That uh, oh, what was uh, what was her name? Mark, I can't remember her name. Laura Linney was the one who had the uh, autistic brother, and Hugh Grant played the prime minister. Uh, that that I remember. And Hugh Grant as a prime minister of uh, of England is 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 interesting. But yeah. <laughs> John's just <laughs> nodding at us. <laughs> he, he's too, he's too young to have remembered the movie. I think. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. It's been a while. I have seen it. It has been a while though. It's not it, front of mind. It's uh, and the 80th anniversary of Casablanca, that uh. <laughs> which which did not feature the the sentence as many believe. Play it again, Sham. He didn't say that. He never said play it again, Sam. He said play it, play it like you did for her. Oh, yeah, that's uh, and and I can't do a Cary Grant anymore, but that was. Um, one of uh, growing up was one of my favorite movies, and I, I I always it it's so romanticized, and what was really historically that movie came out, and then I believe it was called Operation Torch. Uh, two three months after it came out, um, uh, Patton led George Patton led the invasion, uh, that ended up in the uh, liberation of Casablanca against uh. The, the French Nazi sympathizers and the Nazis. And it was the beginning, the, that was the first offensive action taken by US military after World War II, after we jumped in after Pearl Harbor. So that was always historically of interest to me. But what drew you to, to Casablanca? It's just one of the all time great movies. Um, and also with this heart you know, tugging love uh, affair between Humphrey Bogart and um, what Ingrid Bergman, Ingrid and, Bergman, yeah, and the uh, line of Bogart's saying, you know, that she should go with her current husband because she's the backbone of his work, even though it breaks Bogart's heart to say it. I, I think it's just a it's a wonderful movie. And then, of course, round up the usual suspects. Yeah. Louis, this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. relationship. That, you know, can't, can't, it can't, a movie can't end better than that. <laughs> and it was, uh, of course, Paul uh, Heinrich, who played Victor Laszlo, who was uh, the, the husband. I always thought he was a big, bit, a bit of a nebbish. And I was going, go with Bogart, go with Bogart. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> So, John, <laughs> I'm enjoying the show. <laughs> enjoying well, John, the show. John, John is just—he's looking at the clock. We've got three minutes left, and we have not yet mentioned two numbers: go for it, and forty-eight. Don't do it. Do it. <laughs> there's another one. That there's another one. Twenty-nine. Uh, App State missed a twenty-nine-yard field goal with mere seconds to go in regulation. Uh, after uh, our very, very reliable kicker, freshman kicker, he had made three from, you know, 35, 40 plus, and he had made numerous extra points, but um, the one we needed got away. And well, John, so John, just, just backfill the listening audience. When I say oh, yes. two numbers, 51 and 48, 
people not necessarily gonna they think maybe that's a, a sign of the devil or something yeah, that's, well to john it is it was um well as my espn plus which is a fun service that espn makes me pay even more for on top of my cable bill was buffering during the fourth quarter and, and both oh, no. overtimes i thought half of america was watching appalachian state and georgia southern uh get it on one more time uh in statesboro georgia so yeah, you're right. Uh, App State lost to Georgia Southern in Sunbelt college football action last night. Uh, bitter rivals. Uh, it, of course, it was rivalry Saturday across college football. So uh, we finally convinced the Sunbelt to, you know, actually play this game on rivalry Saturday. Um, and it did not go well for the black and gold. Uh, looked like we were going to pull one out against our, our blood rival, but uh, Georgia Southern is a quality program. Good for them. Congrats. They're going to a bowl game. And for the first time since App State moved up to FBS football, uh, Mountaineers are not bowl eligible this year. And um, and I, I'm hoping for some changes in Boone. Uh, I think the coaching staff needs a shakeup. And um, we need to work the transfer portal a lot harder. I don't think the, the coaching staff and the recruiting staff um, – really maximize that we're a national brand now uh if a guy can't get on the field at auburn there's no reason he should go to georgia southern we should be in the running for that for that player for that student athlete as well so i think some 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 coaching staff changes and approach changes are needed in boone um a lot and and too many <laughs> I mean, it's exciting and it gets you on tv and it helps with recruiting but a lot of exciting close finishes we didn't win all of them um but my ticker could use the off season. So I'm, I'm almost relieved. We're not going to a bowl game this year. Cause I need to, I need to rest. Well, the, Stan, the Stanford coach is available. So you can come on. Up. Can, yeah. Can you get us in the right defense on third down? So we're not one of the worst third down defenses in the country. Uh, if he can, if he can dial up the X's and O's uh, and he'll take a pay cut, you know, Boone is a beautiful town. There you go. Well, that's uh, once again, thanks guys for joining us this week. And App State's not going to a bowl game. We now know that uh, Michael loves actually, and <laughs> it's Jimi Hendrix's birthday. So <laughs> sit back, relax, enjoy it, and we'll catch you next week. This is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time.